0: You are listening to episode number four, and this was an awesome episode. I got to sit down and talk to Dana Monroe. She just recently moved from Utah to Colorado to work for Kafaru International, and this lady is spreading her wings and learning how to fly unapologetically. I absolutely love this conversation. Just hearing a little bit more about her and her passion for improving her health her passion for learning how to be a bow hunter and just diving in, spreading her wings, and really living boldly. I think you'll get a lot of inspiration from this, and if you don't know Dana already, you'll definitely want to afterwards. Here we go. Welcome to the Her Inspired Journey Podcast, a show all for women about living your best life and fulfilling your passions from the back country to the table. No matter where you are, what hurdles you've faced, or where you want to go next, we're right here on this journey with you. It's time to take charge, pave your way, and create success. Today's episode is sponsored by Nutrition Realigned, a holistic health approach that takes you to the top. If you're feeling overstressed, constantly fatigued, and not like your best self, it's time to reevaluate your nutrition and learn how to fuel yourself properly. Head over to Nutrition Realigned and make a plan to reach your health and fitness goals in 2019. Click on the Contact Us form for more information or use code HERINSPIRED for 20% off at checkout. All right, welcome to episode number four of the HERINSPIRED journey podcast. I have a super cool guest on today, somebody who I really look up to and um, kind of met through social media, just kind of following each other back and forth, and then got to meet her in person last year at the Salt Lake City Um, Total Archery Challenge and she is just super cool paving her way and uh, I'd like to introduce Dana Monroe to the show. Hello. How are (laughs) you?
1: I'm great. How are
0: you? I'm doing really good. I'm very very happy to have you on and just start picking your brain. Kind of what I was saying is that you know I, I sent you some over like some feelers just get to know you a little bit better and and asked a a few deeper questions. And you are so similar, like the answers that you were writing, I was like, this seriously just sounds like, you know, something I would say. So (laughs) just excited to get another female's perspective on, you know, just a little bit about life and hunting and health and, you know, just kind of figuring out a little bit more of who you are. So thank you so much for joining me on the show.
1: Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me.
0: So let's start by, why don't you just tell us a little bit about who you are and where you grew up and kind of what you knew as normal.
1: (laughs) Um, so I grew up in a, a small town called Monroe, Utah. So Dana Monroe from Monroe, that's pretty cool. Um, I had, you know, a big family, um. I always loved being outdoors. We would always go go hiking, and uh, my dad shot, like you know, shotguns a lot. So I would I would go with him. I I didn't ever really shoot, but I would always go with him and I was I always outside. I was like you could not get me to come inside for anything. And I've I've always just really loved the outdoors and I grew up playing sports, you know, always being active. It's that's always been, you know, a love of mine is is being able to be active and, and then, you know, I, I slowly started getting you know exposed to, to more of the hunting side of things. I, Cause I, I, I knew people that hunted growing up, but I never had any interest in it. And then I, I started shooting a bow and started getting more into hunting. And then I just kind of jumped with both feet in and now I'm, I'm here in Colorado And I work for a company called Kafaru International, which uh, we make really cool backpacks and outdoor gear and stuff like that. Um, And yeah, just I'm kind of just here now.
0: That's awesome. So that was a pretty big, big transition for you then to go from a place that you grew up and really knew as home to something totally outside the box, a new place, new people. What was that transition like for you?
1: Um, I I don't think I let myself think about it very much. Uh, I I figured out I was moving to to Colorado, and like two and a half weeks later, I was here. So, I I I didn't really think about it much and until I got here and I was was settled into a place, and it, it was really really hard at first. I I mean, I, I knew. I pretty much knew Frank and Aaron and they were gone. I came right before hunting season started. So I moved here and Aaron was gone for like three months and then Frank was gone pretty much all the time too. So really the only people I knew were, were gone. And so I was kind of here and didn't really know what to do with myself.
0: Yeah. It's kind of crazy how you can just like dive right in and, and then all of a sudden you're like, "Holy smokes! Like, where am I? What am I doing? This is this is a little bit crazy." But it definitely yeah. takes having you know the uh, the audacity to take a leap of faith and just to do something different. And I think a lot of people get stuck in their own ways. And I'm saying that from four driveways down from where I grew up. So, you know, it's a uh, it's one of those areas that having that. Um, just the faith to do something different and, you know, pave a new way can be really difficult, but I think, you know, you just take charge and you, you're, you're very strong willed and, uh, you know, you just kind of end up doing a new thing. So it's, that's awesome. I'm glad that, you know, you're in good hands there too. You know, Aaron and Frank yeah. and, and the team at Kefaro are super awesome. You guys do make stellar stuff. We absolutely love our Kafaru packs and, um, yeah, we'll definitely dive into that rabbit hole to at some point and, and talk about packs because I, I definitely think that you guys make hands down some of the best gear out there for doing what we do. So super awesome. Yes. So you grew up being super outdoorsy and you, you said your dad hunted, but you didn't have any interest. why that's I'm just curious to see why you didn't have any interest, you know, growing up as a, you know, a younger woman, you know, and now you're head over heels in love with bow hunting. Where was that transition for you?
1: Um, I think my, my dad always rifle hunted. And so, and, and I wasn't really like a, a fan of guns. They, you know, as, as a little girl, they, they kind of scared me. And then also it it wasn't really like what the girls did. It was always, you know, what the, all the boys would go and shoot and, and all of that. And the girls would kind of stay in and, you know, chat. So <laughs> it, it just wasn't, um, I don't, I don't i didn't really have any interest in it and then as i got older i was really really focused on sports mm-hmm. and so i just i'm kind of a i have kind of an obsessive personality so that's that's one reason why i kind of just dove all in but i i was so focused on what i was focused on at the time that i didn't really have any desire and then a lot of the hunters that i knew i don't know they I I, I just didn't respect much of what hunting was because of the because of some of the people that I knew growing up that you know were were hunters and and once I was exposed to, you know other people who, who thought about it a little bit more mm-hmm. and and respected it a little bit more I I I really gained an appreciation for that.
0: That makes a ton of sense, and um, I think that. It's absolutely right. Like the portrayal of, you know, it can be anything, but for in this scenario, it was hunting and what you saw or, you know, that maybe the things that they were experiencing or sharing or the way that it was being, um, you know, highlighted to you just wasn't appealing. And so it definitely will change how somebody engages in something by the things that they see. And I think it's easy to take this overall, very general, that's what hunting is, that's who hunters are. When you have that experience, rather than being able to recognize that there are so many different you know ways to go about it and feelings behind it and family traditions and ethics and morals that are involved in it and um it's cool that though you know you were able to kind of you know move through that and then find a find a different path and find a different um way to like you know view it essentially yeah. um you know I grew up kind of similar my dad was a rifle hunter and I really same thing I don't really love shooting guns I like shooting handguns but rifles I you know could just take it or leave it yeah. and so you know hunting for me was really fun because it was a time that we got to spend together and to go out and you know we were camping and I really enjoyed being outside like I like to pick legs off spiders when I was little like I was just the grossest <laughs> little tomboy ever you know yes I
1: did that too
0: <laughs> and so and so you know it was really nice to be able to get out and do that but at the same time you know like who who I am as a hunter now was so different than the way I felt about it, the things I, you know, understood way back then. And so I definitely think hunting is one of those like evolutionary things, I think for a lot of people, but especially for females, because, you know, I know for me, I didn't really think too much about tags or regulations or scent or you know time of day or where they're feeding or you know where they're traveling through were the things that really made sense until i got older and i think the same is is true for the whole idea of what hunting is so super cool though now that you are diving right in and like you said with an obsession you know kind of driven spirit it's easy to get really involved in something and just go head over heels so if you don't mind, tell me a little bit about your first experiences with archery where you just, I mean, how did you even get a bow in your hand to start shooting?
1: So I, I saw, you know, basically social media kind of gave me the idea that I, I even wanted to try shooting a bow. And I went to, um, the Western hunt expo out in salt Lake, mm-hmm. uh, I think three years ago. Yeah, it would have been three years ago. And, they had a Hoyt bow honey they had that little booth set up where kids could come shoot a bow and I was like I was with my dad and I was like hey I really want to like give this a try but it's all for like kids and they were like eh, just come up and it, the bow will be a little weird but you know you can still shoot and and so I, I got a bow they gave me a little bit of instruction and I i like I shot an arrow and I just I just remember turning to my dad and I was I just like wide-eyed and huge grin on my face. And I was from the first shot, I was absolutely hooked. It was it. I don't even know how to explain it. It was just, I love it so much.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. And women are so process driven, you know, if we can see like, you know, a to B and B to C and C to D, like there's just so much thought that goes into it. But at the same time, it's so like liberating to shoot your bow. Um, you know, it's, it's one of those things where it's so easy to get addicted to shooting your bow or bow hunting or competing or doing 3d shoots. It's like one of the things that we look the most forward to is getting our bow out and going to shoot, you know, rain or shine. It's just like, man, it is a cup filler for sure. So what happened after that? So you were like, okay, I love it. I, you know, that was awesome. What happened next?
1: So I, I, I didn't really know how to get into it because I I didn't really know a lot of people that hunted and especially bow hunting. And so I, I, I really had no idea what to do. So I looked, I just got on Cabela's and like bought a bow at Cabela's and went there, got it set up, had no idea what I was doing, like had absolutely no idea what I was doing. And then, um, I got that bow and I would shoot, you know, whenever I could, I, I had, (laughs) it's funny. I I think back and I was just so like, I was, I was decent for, for just starting out, but I, I had no instruction and, and I didn't know really where to go to get it. Mm -hmm. And then I, uh, I worked with, uh, with, with a couple people who bow hunted and I would go over and, and shoot with, with, um, with this kid, and he, he helped me, you know, he helped me adjust my sights for, for the different ranges, and, and showed me how to do that, and kind of, kind of helps me get, like, the very, very basic knowledge of it, Mm -hmm. and then from there on, I just, I turned to YouTube, podcasts, pretty much every, every means of information that I could find on, you know, bow hunting, form, shot sequence, all of that, and and just, just did as much research as I could and just kind of figured it all out myself.
0: That's awesome. There's so many resources out there. And I think, you know, I talk to a lot of women who are like, well, how do you even get started? And, and same kind of thing. Like, you just have to have the hunger to figure it out. And definitely it helps if you have the mentorship or the guidance of, you know, somebody who has been doing it a long time. It can give you pointers and you know, at the same time, I think a lot of it is figuring out what works for you, how you do things best. But like we don't have to reinvent the wheel. You know what I mean? Yeah. There are there are definitely basics to seek out and to, you know, um, you know, really utilize. And uh, it's it, but it's easy. There's so much education like Google, you know, YouTube you know, going to the local bow shop and, and just asking questions. I think if people are just not afraid to ask questions and to seek advice, you know, and there's granted, there is way more advice being given than is asked for. (laughs) And I'm sure you've experienced that too. You know, everybody wants to put in their two cents and some of it is done with, you know, really good intention, but, um, you kind of just have to take things with a grain of salt sometimes and, and pave your own way. So that is really exciting So when, um, so that was about three years ago, you said? Yeah. So when did you actually do your first bow hunt?
1: So I went on my first bow hunt. It was actually just this last year was my first season bow hunting. I started out with like spring turkey and then, um, did over the counter antelope here in Colorado and over the counter elk.
0: And how did that season go for you? (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
1: Uh... I I learned a lot I it was it was a a great learning experience but also very frustrating um I never even got to to draw my bow back so it was kind of a letdown but then you know it's my first season so I can't I I can't set my expectations too high but um later in the year I did go on a a goose hunt here and I I did kill two geese with my bow and that was like on Christmas Eve so I ended the year
0: on a high note. Well, that's super cool. Yeah. There's something that's just like so rewarding about doing a hunt like, you know, on Thanksgiving or, you know, around Christmas time that just like, I don't know, I don't know about you, but I just felt so much more like traditional, I guess. We got to yeah. hunt this year um, for blacktail late season archery and Stephen actually ended up getting his buck on Thanksgiving morning so we woke up and the weather kind of had turned and it was pretty cold here and I was like you know what I want I want a Thanksgiving venison roast so get to it and he sure enough like two hours later he's like I got a buck down I'm like yes that is so awesome super cool super cool so did you go and hunt alone this year did you have somebody to go with are you hunting with friends or just kind of figuring it all out on your own
1: um, I, I did, I had a few different people, um, take me out, which, which I was very, very thankful for, um, a, a few different people, you know, um, here and there that they, when they had time in their schedule, they, they were willing to take me out and, and invited me out. So I, I mean, I am so appreciative of them because it's, it's not easy taking a new hunter out and, you know, it's, <laughs> it can be frustrating, but.
0: Oh, they, sure. They
1: helped me out, and, and it was fun.
0: That's awesome. And it, it definitely is because I think especially for people who have hunted for a long time, we all have those things. Like, we have pet peeves, and we have things we're very particular about, and, you know, sharing different areas that we hunt in. You know, there's a lot that is very personal personal about hunting. And taking somebody out that's new, like, it, it's such a joy to be able to share those kind of experiences and that in that, you know, realm with other people. But at the same time, it, it does feel very personal. So when you can find somebody who, you know, is a good mentor and a good leader and, and they're willing to take you out and show, show you the ropes, that is so valuable. So yes. valuable. I remember one time I took a buddy of mine out. He wanted to learn how to hunt and uh, we had a rifle general season elk tag. And I, he, you know, he was an older, uh, older man, you know, not old man, but he was probably in his mid forties or something. And, and, yeah. um, you know, you just almost assume people have common sense when it comes to like gun control and gun safety and like being quiet or not slamming doors. Or if we're going to get out and walk, like you don't lock the door with a horn, that kind of thing. But it's, um, <laughs> It was a little comical and it definitely made me realize that there is, there's so many different elements to hunting that people who are not, didn't come up that way, just don't grasp, you know, and there's nothing wrong with that, but there is just always so much to learn you know, even for me as somebody I've been, I literally can say I've been hunting my entire life since I was five, I would go with my dad. And then at 11, I started, you know, hunting and having my own tag. And so there was a lot that I, I knew, I guess I had the education, but there's still so much I don't know. And that's one of the beautiful things about hunting is like, there's no way to be an expert in it. Like the, it's always changing. And there's definitely people who you know, are very skilled and know a ton and are, you know, super, super, super successful. But at the same time, like every year they learn lessons too, you know? So yeah. it's really cool that you can't ever refine it enough to be like the best at it because you are, <laughs> you're constantly going against nature, you know, and, and the wild, which will always, you know, be the opposite of what you plan for and expect. So yeah, super, super yeah. cool to just have something that is it continually I love education I love learning I think that we are you know supposed to you know keep that brain you know searching for new things and you never not get that with hunting there's there's always something to learn what do you think is the most valuable lesson you've learned just over this last season with hunting um
1: I, I think the most valuable thing I learned is just you just have to get out and and be out in the field and be out in nature because I, I mean, I've read, like I've read blogs, I've read, like watched videos, listened to podcasts. Like I've, I've, I've gotten like all of the information that, that I've been able to find, but it, it never, you can't use it until you're out there. And it's, it's just, you always have to adapt and, and change depending on what the situation is and you can never learn that by just reading something and so I think that's the biggest thing I learned this year is that I just need to be out in the field and and learn that way because I've I've kind of done all like the you know the 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 learning that I can not in the field Mm -hmm. so that's that was the biggest thing that I learned.
0: That's great advice. Yeah, that's a, that's a good way to look at it because education, you know, via knowledge is one thing, but education via experience is a whole nother ball game. And it's so true that, you know, if you can read something and you, you know, have this general concept, but when you take it out and you see it and you feel it and you smell it and you experience it firsthand, then that's when that like really becomes something that's solidified as true knowledge, you know, that experience. Yeah. so. What would you yeah. say if if you, you know, were talking to a, a lady who didn't really come up or maybe she did but didn't experience it and she wanted to get into hunting in general but didn't really know what to do, what would be your advice to her in encouraging her to kind of get her feet wet and dive in?
1: Um I I think probably just kind of a fun little type of rifle hunt would be a good a good thing for someone to kind of break through into the hunting world because bow hunting is, is so difficult. And if they wanted to just strictly bow hunt, I mean, I am all for that. That's, I, I will rifle hunt a little bit, but I definitely prefer my bow. Um, but that is, you know, it's a little bit easier on you and it, it kind of lets you dip your toe in without, you know, going all in. So just an easy little type of, a late season rifle hunt would be probably what I would recommend.
0: Awesome. Yeah. Good way to get started and and have the experiences without having all of the suck of bow hunting because bow hunting is so hard. Like I said, growing up with only a rifle in my hand, like I, you know, wasn't successful with every tag, but I was pretty dang successful, right? Like more times than not, you would come home from a hunt and your tag would be filled. You would have meat in the freezer and So that's, and I grew up with a dad who was, he was a great shot and he like, I didn't think he could miss, like he shot and something died. Like that's just how it always happened. And then I was very humbled three years ago or whatever, three, three and a half seasons. And I put a bow in my hand and I'm like, I freaking suck as a hunter. (laughs) Like I've never, wow, like this is crazy. I have like this stack of tags that I've gone through and have had some close calls, but it's freaking hard. It is so hard to be a bow hunter. And there's just, you know, you have to get closer. You have to be quieter. You have to, you know, scent matters more. Your wind matters more. The time of day matters more. I mean, you're hiking in and hiking out in the pitch black, which totally sucks in my opinion. (laughs) And, you know, you're, you know, going into hiking and hunt in a basin for, you know, five to seven days without, you know, a truck or anything. And, So what I experience now as a bow hunter is so different than what I experienced growing up, you know, like we sat in the truck, we drove around, we'd get in, you know, to an area and do these small, you know, hunts on foot. And it was just so different. So I think if somebody were to dive in right now, like go say, okay, I want to, I've been shooting my bow for a while, or I'm brand new and I'm going to take my bow and I'm going to go out and I'm going to do an OTC archery, you know, elk hunt this year you might not want to be a hunter after that.
1: <laughs> it's, it's very true. I questioned myself countless times this, this past season and yeah. <laughs> it kicked my butt. <laughs>
0: yeah. It's such a, isn't it such a roller coaster?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's hard to explain, but the, the suck factor is almost like addicting because I, I don't know what it is, but I cannot wait to go back out there and, and do it
0: all again yeah it's you are right on point with that it is such a suck fest (laughs) I will not forget I think it was uh three seasons ago now and Stephen and I were doing our archery elk hunt in eastern Oregon and it was no excuse me it was two years ago and it was the year it was just like ungodly hot everything was on fire so the you know the just the air quality was really poor the eclipse came through well there was also this mass gathering of the rainbow people and I will just to save everybody the disgust <laughs> not really get into it but there was like 30,000 people that gathered in this area that we went and hunted wow. on top of there also being the eclipse and on top of there you know everything was on fire so it was like literally 95 degrees during the day and the day before we left, Stephen ripped his big toenail off. And so like you're going on this elk hunt, right? Where you know you're going to be hiking and, you know, putting a lot of miles on your boots. And so we're just like, oh my gosh. So last minute he buys two bikes, two mountain bikes off Craigslist. I think he paid $20 for both of them, right? So you can already assume the kind of quality that these bikes were, So he sprays them down, sprays them all black and we're out there. And of course, because they're so high quality, the chain breaks on his bike. And so we're like pushing them. So we've got our packs on our loaded packs. We've got our bows strapped to our packs. We're in our camo, you know, like we're literally sweating our butts off. And now because his bike's broken, I feel compelled to also walk with him. So we're pushing our bikes with our packs and our bows Up this mountain, it's 93 degrees, and I'm like, we are freaking idiots. Like, what are we doing? Like, why are we doing this? And we're not seeing any game whatsoever. All of the sign is, like, months old, you know, in an area that my dad had hunted forever. And he's like, man, this is a prime spot. You should be here. We're like, yeah, there used to be animals here. But the entire, I think, eight days that we were there, or seven days maybe, we saw the ass end of one buck. The entire time. And, like, I left that hunt going, I'm questioning my life right now. (laughs) I don't – I apparently don't make very good choices because (laughs) all I've done is sweat through my clothes for the last, you know, seven days. And, anyways, yeah, it can just be such, Uh, like, man, I love this, but why? Yeah. What do I actually love about it? Is it the fact that I like to torture myself or (laughs) – is there actually something appealing about it? So I definitely hear you on that. Um, Talk to me a little bit about, um, you know, you've definitely had some experiences and you've had that roller coaster this year. Did you have any point where you really considered not going back or was it, it did everything kind of circle back around to going like, okay, I've got to brush this off because I'm sure you've had experiences like the, you know, most of us, have had where you're just like, I, I don't know that this is, I'm cut out for this. Did you have any of those moments this year?
1: Um, I not, not really genuine moments. I, I get, um, so there, there was one time it, it was, uh, I think we were out for about four days. I was with, um, uh, this one, this one guy that took me out and, we were, we were hiking out on the, the last day we were there. Um, it was probably like middle of the day. I was, <laughs> I was hungry and I was tired. And I think that, cause we didn't stop to have lunch because we were almost to the truck. And so we just waited till we got to the truck. So I was a little bit hangry and I was like, I was cussing him out in my head. <laughs> but uh, you know, I, once I thought about, it, I'm like, I just need to have some food. Like I'm just hangry. But that was really the only time I, I questioned whether or not I wanted to continue doing it because I, even though I didn't have very much success and I didn't really have a lot of encounters, I, I have no
0: question that this is what I want to be doing. That's awesome. That's awesome. It's such a passion, you know, it sounds like it's something that's definitely near and dear to you and. You're the kind of woman that wants to work for it too, you know, which is which continues to kind of keep that carrot dangling in front of you, going, (laughs) okay, I'm not afraid to put in the work and I'm not afraid to have the challenge and have these learning experiences so that I can, you know, finally reach that success. And man, success tastes so much sweeter after the struggle. Yes, yes, it it does. does. It really does. So you mentioned that you got into kind of uh, taking on this hunting. Uh, way of life, if you will, to, as a way to regain your health and to, you know, really work on fulfilling that need to, to, you know, be healthier, to harvest your own meat. Like how did that kind of evolution come about as far as, you know, actually harvesting your game? Like, where was that inspiration from?
1: So I, I started, um, I don't, I really, I don't know how I sort of got into more the, the, like the working out side of things again, because I, I didn't, after, after high school, I just, you know, I, I mean, I, I didn't really know what I was doing with life and I was just kind of, I, I went to school, I, you know, I cared more about my social life than, than anything. And so I, I didn't really have I would work out occasionally, but I wasn't really, I, don't know, I, I wasn't very disciplined with it. And I started, you know, I started going to the gym very regularly. And with that, I, I took more into account my nutrition and, you know, that organic meat. You go to the grocery store and you're paying a lot of money for that. And mm-hmm. And I, growing up, we never, we never bought meat at a grocery store because my, my dad, um, he grew up on a farm and they had ranches and they had, you know, we, we got beef from a butcher and, and I never had to worry about the whole organic grass fed type thing, because that's what I was raised on. And I when, when I got older and started, you know, having a grocery shop for myself, I was like, man, this is really expensive. And so I, I, from that point, it just kind of you know, led me into, to hunting. Once I started getting more into the bow hunting side of things, I, uh, it just, it really compelled me to start, you know, getting my own meat because it's, you you don't get better than, than wild game to me.
0: No, you don't. And nutritionally, there's just, it just makes so much more sense to have that organic wild game. As opposed to, you know, it is super expensive to buy, you know, grass-fed or organic or pasture-raised. And so if you can go out there and, you know, do it yourself, yes, it's super expensive to be a hunter. Like, I don't think anybody can say, unless they go out in their backyard and, you know, the cost is super low, that hunting is less expensive in gathering your meat as opposed to going to the store and buying your game or buying from a local farmer. It's definitely not, but what you gain in the experience of hunting, you know, and the time spent out there and the experiences, the sounds, the smells, the, you know, it it is such a cup filler. It is so refreshing to be out there and just really, you know, surround yourself with nothing but nature so what you can gain an experience and you know if you're successful god willing the you yeah. know bringing home meat it, it's so much more worth it in my opinion to go that route and um you know be able to put that that game in your freezer man it's such a blessing if you can open up your freezer and see packages of wild game filling the shelves that is yeah. such a good feeling to me. Like, I know I kind of get, start getting stressed out when it gets low. Even our kids, like, you know, who are almost 13 and 10 will like look in the freezer and be like, Oh, you guys got to get with the program here. Cause you know, we've only got like five packages of bear left or whatever. And, and, you know, yeah. so everybody's kind of keeping tabs on it because it's such a treat, man. It's so nice to have access to that.
1: Yeah. And it really, that, you know, that feeling is, Cause I, I got a a late season antelope this year with a rifle and I processed the meat all by myself and just the feeling and like looking at that meat and looking at your freezer, like all of that meat in your freezer, that feeling is just like, it's indescribable because it's, it is so amazing. You're, you're providing for yourself and your family and your friends and you want to share with people like, and that you did that and all of the hard work because I really like, you know, a lot of these people who are successful year in and year out, it's, they prepare all year for the hunt. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's what I do myself. It's like, everything I do is the end goal is that is hunting season come, you know, September, October, all of that. And so it it's so fulfilling. And that feeling is just, there is no better feeling in the world.
0: Absolutely. Couldn't have said it better myself. So let's talk though a little bit about how you prepare for hunting season and what that looks like, both with, you know, obviously with shooting, uh, with getting your mental, you know, clarity and getting your mind wrapped around like what's coming up, but also on the physical side, how do you prepare for it physically?
1: Um, I, I go to the gym fairly regularly. I, I don't go quite as much since I moved out here, but I, I will do backpack cardio and you know, I'll hike you know, five or six, seven days a week. Like I I am always hiking. I go before work or after work. I throw a heavy pack on, run up and down fire road real quick and, um, and then go to the incorporate, you know, gym workouts into that. But that's, that's kind of how I prepare physically. And I do that year round. I'll hike, you know, I was hiking the other day in like 10 degree weather and it was miserable, but (laughs) got to, got to prepare myself for that.
0: Absolutely. Definitely. So when it comes to shooting your bow, are you somebody that likes to, I'm not assuming you're not, but dust it off, you know, a couple months before the season, or do you make a, a habit to shoot <laughs> arrows daily? Oh, I shoot every single day. I, I'm at the bow
1: shop here, the no limits archery. I'm there every single day. And I'm, I'm pretty sure they're, they're all sick to death of me some days, but I gotta,
0: gotta get my arrows in. That's right. That's awesome. Well, good. So outside of, you know, throwing some weight in your pack and, you know, hitting a hike, what, what else do you think is really important to incorporate as far as, you know, keeping your stamina and strength up for, you know, where you hunt is obviously super demanding. So what else do you think is important to incorporate? Um,
1: I, I like to do a little bit of everything, you know, I, I don't, lift super heavy, but I I like to, you know, throw around some weight, uh, a couple days a week. Um, you know, mobility training, just, I, I like to change it up and it just kind of depends on the day and what I'm able to do in the gym, you know, or, or where people aren't crowding. And I just like to get my heart rate up and, you know, make myself uncomfortable, In the gym, because I know I'm going to be uncomfortable out in the woods, but Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm going to be so much better prepared if I'm making myself uncomfortable there.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And man, that really does improve your mental game as well. You know, for those times that you're hiking up a mountain and you can't see the end of it and it's just like, you know, if you can do hard things. You know, all throughout life, whether that's just through training or if it's, you know, coming up against resistance and being persistent to, you know, push through those things will definitely condition your mind for staying on task and staying, you know, keeping your nose to the grindstone when things get tough. I think when things when there's hurdles or, you know, opposition or there's challenges that we face, I think a lot of times it's easy to go okay, let me back down. Let me find a different way rather than just going, you know what, I'm going to stick to my guns and I'm going to stick with this and I'm going to push past it. You know, it's, it's hard to do that mentally to put, to intentionally put ourselves into positions that challenge us. Yeah. That's not a strong suit for a lot of people, you know? So if you can, you know, implement that in, you know, some through your physical training, but um, you know, that really does prepare you for getting out there and and being in the elements and just going like, this sucks right now. However, I know I'm going to live through it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, like my, like backpack cardio, I, we do that, uh, fire road a lot. If that's, that's just a place out here, Aaron kind of named it. Um, but I'll start doing that, and i I question myself. I'm like, why am I doing this today? Like this sucks. Like I went the other day and it was muddy as can be, and I was sliding around, and <laughs> it sucks. But then I get to the top and I, you know, I, I take a breath, i and I look, I just look out over the landscape, and I just I'm like, this is why I do it. Like, and the feeling of like of just completing that and conquering it is, is why I do it, and it. I think that is kind of what keeps me going back and and keeps me, you know, going through the the success.
0: Mm-hmm. So is that a personality that you've always had, or is that something that you feel like you've grown into?
1: I think it's it's a personality I've always had. I've I've always been, you know, very very driven and very goal oriented, and and uh, kind of you know, that, that, that tough personality, I, I I knew what needed to be done to get where I wanted to be. And so if that sucked, you know, coaches yelling at me, running more and and more. And it, it just, you know, even though it sucks, I know, I, I know I need it and I know I'm better off at the end.
0: Mm-hmm. And there's so much gratification in getting to that finish line, whatever that thing is, you know? getting to the end yeah. and going, it could have been way easier just to quit. And I didn't. And I, you know, stuck myself in the game. I stayed in it and you know, I, I succeeded. Yeah. That uh, that yeah. really builds your confidence too.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it does. And I, I think that's, you know, giving up, it, it's not, I I don't, I've never been good at that. Like I have to finish something I have to follow through. And if I, if I say I'm going to do something like, I'm doing it. <laughs> I'm not going to, I'm not going to come up with an excuse like, Oh, you know, I just, I just, I'm a little tired or I don't want to do that today. I just, you know, get it done and just, I'll, I'll feel better after that.
0: So I know there's a lot of, uh, women, you know, people in general, but I know that there's a lot of women who have a hard time, you know, really reigning in that mental stamina you know, for not feeling defeated when things get hard and, and then throwing in the towel. Do you have any advice that you would send to somebody who was, you know, really wanting to, you know, do hard things and be successful and not feel like once they, they reach that hurdle, they, you know, kind of just throw their hands up and defeat. What would be your, some advice that you could give for that? Um, I think
1: that, honestly for me is it's just kind of like baby steps. Like when I first got here, I, I struggled so bad and I, I didn't have really any friends and, and I didn't really know, I, I didn't have anything to do. Um, so I, I would just go hike. I would go and I would hike. I would, I would work out. I would, I would challenge myself. I, I was still challenging myself, but not, I wasn't putting myself completely out of my comfort zone. I was, I, I, so baby steps, like do things that you're a little bit more comfortable with, but not, but that's going to challenge you in one way. Mm -hmm. So, you know, don't, you know, don't go do something where you're just going to be completely out of your element. Maybe do something that, that is a little bit more natural, but is still going to, to give you some level of difficulty.
0: I think that's great advice. Um, And I think a lot of times, personally, people want to do, you know, they'll set this goal of they want to, you know, run an ultra marathon, or they want to, you know, reach a certain level in their business or they, you know, they have these huge goals, which are awesome to have. You know, having that dream and that vision is, is great. But I think sometimes we almost set ourselves up for defeat. You know, for for finding that failure because we don't really set realistic goals that are something that we can obtain that lead us yeah. down the road to that bigger vision. And yeah. I think, you know, it's like it's almost like when you go, you know, get something to eat and you show up to a restaurant and you're hungry and you're like, "I want everything on the menu, <laughs> right? but then, but yeah. then realistically, you get you know, you order something that's reasonable and you're full before that thing is gone. You know, it's like our eyes sometimes and our vision and our dreams are bigger than what we need at the moment. And I think if you stay in it and do things that you are able to be successful and not like setting dreams and goals so small that they're, you know, really not, they, they don't mean much, but if you can pick something that you can handle and that, you know, with work will, you know, you will find success in it, in that, I think that definitely builds your confidence in doing things that are harder down the road. Yeah.
1: it definitely helps to, you know, you have, you know, your big picture, you, you have that, that one goal, that big goal that you're working towards. And then you have like, you set little goals. You're like, what can I do? I don't know, daily, monthly, weekly to, to get closer to that. And, you know, you wake up every day with, with the intention to, to get closer to that bigger dream, but it's something that you've thought about and you're, you're working towards every single day instead of like, oh, I'm not there yet. I might as well just give up now. Mm-hmm.
0: Absolutely. And I talk about that actually a lot in episode number three. So if you are somebody that is looking to set goals and trying to figure out exactly how to pave your next route, definitely listen to episode number three where I talk all about goals. That is a good one to wrap back around, too. Um, Dana, another thing I wanted to ask you about is did you or did you not compete in the alpha bow hunting? I did. Yes. Okay, you have to tell me about this because I've seen a little bit about you know what they do, and I've seen some of the challenges, like at the Total Archery Challenge in um, at Snowbird. But give me a little bit of a, a rundown of what it is, what the community is like, um, and your experience with it.
1: Okay, so first of all, the community is amazing. Like you, you will not find a better group of people than you know than my alpha people here. Um, it's. it's awesome because here in the Denver area, the bow hunting community is, is phenomenal. And we're all, you know, they're all so welcoming. It's, and it's, it's, it almost feels like there's more of us here, which is awesome. And that, you know, makes it more possible to do these alpha bow hunting challenges. Um, But Phil Mendoza, he's, he's kind of the one, it's his little, it's his baby. He created it. Um, The, when, my first one this year was a little bit different than he kind of changed the format a little bit but what you do is it's a two-day challenge and the first day which is usually saturday you show up and you shoot um shoot maybe 10 15 3d course uh targets you know 3d targets out on the side and then um how he, he changed it at the end of the year is you do the 3d targets but you also do these what's called the head-to-head rounds mm-hmm. and and he's he's got a really nice setup at his shop it's targets I think um, anywhere from about 18 to 35 yards or 38 yards this year and you start you start in the middle you have a small physical element so you you run out to uh, a sled at the side of the uh, the course, and you grab that, take it out to a point, and come back and and shoot an arrow. So your you know your heart rate's elevated a little bit. You're 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 not shoot. You're not standing on a, on a line shooting with your heart rate, mm-hmm. um, just resting heart rate. Mm-hmm. So then you move to the next spot, grab a sandbag, run it out to the sled, come back, shoot your next arrow, and you do that uh, three times, and then you run out, grab the sled, bring it back, and shoot your final arrow, and it's all. You want to get through the course quickly, but depending on where you hit, um, they they put up a clay pigeon on the target, and if you hit the clay, uh, no time is added, but if you miss the clay, it's either like a 20 or 40 uh, second time penalty, mm. and so you want to get through the course, but you don't just want to get out there and, and shoot as fast as you can. You also need to be accurate in your shooting, and and. So you do a couple head to head rounds and that three D course and then you get kinda you get a score and then you get bracketed and they just from there they do the head to head competitions to to knock you out until until they get a winner. And that is the alpha bow hunting, just everything that Phil does has been the biggest thing that's helped me hands down in my bow hunting journey.
0: That's awesome. And it definitely sounds like it would be something that would really be practical in building skills for hunting.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Because it's, it, it, you know, it's not, and and I don't, I've i never done trained to hunt, but I, I know it's a little bit more physically demanding and I'm usually not, you know, running up a hill right before I'm taking a shot, but I'm a little bit out of breath. My adrenaline's going a little bit and that's what I found. it it recreates that, you know, that, that intense situation out in the woods here, you know, here throughout the summer where you can, you know, try to, try to prepare yourself as much as you can.
0: Yeah. There's a huge difference in going out and standing on the line and, you know, shooting at different ranges and pulling your arrows and walking back and, As opposed to adding that physical element into it, you know, and that's a lot of what we do with our we train, you know, obviously through elevation fitness training, we train clients for red line shooting opportunities, because I don't know anybody who draws back on a big bull or a nice buck you know, or whatever they're hunting and they're just like, dude to do. It's just like, I'm standing out here at 40 yards and (laughs) here we go. You know, like there is always some, you know, adrenaline, there's always some excitement, there's always something else going on. So if you can practice that shot being controlled and being, you know, like it's amazing how your muscles are weaker when you have an adrenaline rush. And if you can practice that physical demand, you know, being a component into your shooting, it really does, you know, allow you to practice for that scenario, which outside of doing that, how else do you practice for it? It's not like you can just, you know, go and draw on animals just for the practice. (laughs) You know what I mean? So that's awesome. That
1: is that is the hard thing is there's, there's really no way to to recreate that situation, but you know, you get a crowd of a hundred people sitting there watching you run a course. It's, it's a little bit nerve wracking and Mm -hmm. it's, it, it definitely, you know, definitely helps you once you get out in the woods.
0: Absolutely. Without a doubt. I remember the first time, actually the first 3d shoot I did was uh, oddly enough, the Western classic down in Redding, California. And everybody's like, this is your first 3d shoot. You do realize this is like the biggest 3d shoot. And I'm like, yeah, (laughs) I'm terrified right now. You know, like you, you, I was a little bit shaky and just kind of like there's other people around, but um, I think a lot of people keep themselves from being in those kind of situations or going to shoot 3D tournaments or events because they're like, man, other people are there and they're going to be watching and it'll like really throw me off. But if you can practice in a lot of different elements like that with other people watching or the physical element added into it, it really only helps your bow hunting game. Oh, yeah, yeah sure. definitely. Okay, so I have to ask you, this is one of the questions that I love learning so much about my guests and just about women and them paving their way. You know, it's, we all go through experiences and, you know, different uh, events in our life that really shape who we become. Some of them are great. Some of them are difficult. Some of them, you know, we'd rather not talk about, which is fine. But as a woman, what do you think is the most like the biggest number one piece of advice you could give to another woman, you know, who is just kind of trying to figure out the balance of life, whether that's family or work or being outdoors or just kind of paving her way. What is the biggest piece of advice that you could give to, uh, to encourage one of those women?
1: I, I think the biggest thing that I could say is just, just figure out what makes you happy. Um, I mean, I've I've gone through life. I'm definitely a people pleaser. And it's, you know, the last few years, I've really kind of come into my own and just I I do what makes me happy. And I don't really care about what other people are saying. And, you know, people, people tell me all the time there that I need a new hobby, I should, you know, go out go. So I'm I'm 26. I never go out. I don't, (laughs) I don't go out and party. I don't do any of the typical, you know, 26 year old things. It's, I, I do what makes me happy and, you know, going to the bow shop, shooting my bow, hiking, going to the gym, you know, that stuff like that makes me happy. And I don't, I don't let other people's negativity or their, you know, their judgment kind of cloud that and, and affect me in any way.
0: That's really, really important. And gosh, social media makes it so hard to kind of like stay in our own head, you know, and, and I don't, and I'm, I'm pretty good and I'm pretty secure and all those things, but there are definitely times in my life where maybe I'm going through, you know, stress with growing business or, you know, my, my kids are being a little crazy or something. And I think it's in those times where not all is really right in my life that I can be really susceptible to letting myself get down on who I am because of other people. Right. Yes. And so, gosh, if we could just learn to like love ourselves through it and, and I talk a little bit about like just kind of staying in your own lane, like if, if another woman is doing great, good for her, like, like give her a pat on the back and tell her she's doing a good job. Don't let it destroy how you feel you're doing right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. And that's huge. Cause I mean, I struggle with the same thing, you know, it's you, you, everybody has our days and you, you can't, you have to just, you know, think you're like, you're okay. You know, don't, don't compare your life to someone's Instagram life because, you know, you only see the good stuff and everybody, everybody has their stuff that they're dealing with. So mm-hmm. just, just remember that and, and, you know, cheer other women on. Don't, don't try and tear them down because that won't get you anywhere.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. It doesn't. and it it doesn't bring good things within yourself to do that. You know, I think you know there's a lot of negativity that can be thrown back and forth. And I can only imagine it makes people feel a little better instantly when they do something like that or they say something like that. But really, if you can practice being positive both with the the way that you communicate with yourself and the way that you communicate with others, it just leads to happiness in so many different areas, and you know, really just loving your life and where you're at. So I think that's really good advice and a good takeaway for anybody listening is just to, uh, yeah, stay in your own lane, support other people yeah. and and you know we're all doing a good job in very different ways.
1: Yeah, yeah, because the more positive the more positivity you you know you you give to others, the more positive that you can be with yourself. So, I I found
0: that to be true. Absolutely. Absolutely. You are dead on with that one. Very cool. Well, I am so excited to have you on the show. I know that the listeners are going to soak a lot of these words up and just your experiences with where you've been and what you've been doing. So, I really appreciate your time and you coming on the show. Um if yes. if people want to get in touch with you or they want to reach out and find a little bit more about Dana, how can they get a hold of you online?
1: Um, uh, Instagram, uh, Dana underscore Monroe. Um, and I have a Facebook as well. It's just Dana Monroe. And I have, if you have any questions, I mean, Kafaru, Kafaru is a great, uh, company. If you have like backpack questions, anything like that, I gear questions. I've, you know, I've, I've got, I've had the opportunity to, to use a lot of gear and, and all of that. So I'm I'm always happy to
0: help in any way that I can. That's awesome. And we really appreciate that. So definitely look Dana up, shoot her a message and just share some positivity, ask questions if you have them. And I will really for sure be putting you back on the calendar, um, on doing a podcast about Kafaru fitting packs. Packs are like, such an important element in your hunting game, especially if you're a bow hunter. So making sure that you have something that is functional for you, that's the right size for you, that's fitted properly, compressed the right way is really, really important. And if it's not, hunting will suck even more. So <laughs> yes. we'll definitely have oh, you yeah. <laughs> definitely have you back on to talk about packs and, uh, you know, letting ladies figure out, you know, how to choose the right one. Cause I know that that can be kind of hard figuring out exactly what you need what features are good for you you know if and especially if you've never had a pack before so we'll definitely have you back on and talk all about that on the next uh round with you so awesome cool well thanks again i hope you have a fantastic day and i will chat with you soon well ladies that does it for this show for today i hope that you found some inspiration some good advice and definitely some encouragement to take with you on the rest of your week I'm already looking forward to coming back next week and giving you some more insight, some inspiration, and some tips on how to navigate your best life. Please be sure to hit the subscribe button and leave a review. Your feedback is so important to me. I would love to know the questions that you have, any topics or ideas, and your feedback. You are so valuable to me, and I really appreciate you taking the time to leave the review and subscribe to the show. See you next week on Her Inspired Journey.